one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome here again to Strength to Strength. It's a blessing to be with you, and I see some familiar faces. Uh, we had quite a large crowd on this morning at 6 o'clock our time, and it was actually 4 o'clock Pablo's time. Pablo, have you ever presented at 4 o'clock in the morning? Not on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did really, really well. So, But I guess if you're an early bird, uh, 4 o'clock in the yeah. morning is, is no problem. No problem. Uh, so, yeah, it's a real, real blessing to have you here, here with us, Pablo. Uh, you shared a touching message this morning on the power and purpose of enemy love. Um, and for those of you who were not on this morning, the recording is actually up already on Strength of Strength. And so be sure to check that out and, and listen to that message. I found it very touching. And I saw a number of us uh, wiping tears uh, from our eyes. So definitely a message that you want to listen to. Um, this afternoon, uh, our, our topic is stories of enemy love. And Brother Pablo has some stories and some things he wants to share with us. Um, many of us know Pablo from his books. Um, I asked him uh, if he's still writing books, and he says he, he is. He tries to write one every year, and so that's a real blessing. His books have blessed many of us. Um, Pablo comes to us from Waslala, Nicaragua. Uh, he has six children, uh, I think two still at home, um, so it's good to be together in this way from around the world, really. So, yeah, special welcome to each one of you. Uh, may God bless you and your hymns richly. Um, so before we get started here, let's just go ahead and bow our heads for prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> our kind Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, our prayer is that your name would be hallowed, and that your kingdom would come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, this afternoon, we're gathered here from many different parts of the globe. But Father, that is no problem for you. You're our father, uh, our father that never sleeps, a father of this incredible earth, of, of us as humans, and also you're the one who created this universe. And, and Father, we, we're, we're amazed that you would care about us. And we see your care and your love in, in high res, in full definition color in your son, Jesus. And we're amazed by that and touched by that. And Father, it's because of Jesus. It's because of his teachings and his, what he's shown us um, and what he's called us to. It's because of that that we're, we're looking at the subject this afternoon of, of loving our enemies. And we, we thank you, Lord, that you've walked before us and showed us what that looks like. And so, Father, I pray that um, through this, these stories and this teaching this afternoon, that your kingdom would be advanced a bit more um, through this time. So, bless Brother Pablo and Father, I pray especially that you would bless us with a good internet connection. And in Nicaragua, it's not always the best time of the day. So Father, we pray, Lord, that you would give us divine connection. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, God bless you, Brother Pablo. It's, it's all yours. Good afternoon, everybody. <clears throat> Some of you weren't with us this morning, probably, so I'll need to explain a little bit. Um, like Brian said, we're looking at one of those doctrines, uh, teachings of Jesus that a lot of people have such a hard time with and maybe all of us have struggled with. 
and even in our plain people, among our plain people, sometimes we have not understood it, maybe rightly, and have not always obeyed it. But um, it's a very, very important doctrine. And uh, this morning, as we kind of looked at, you know, this difficulty of accepting that we would actually love our neighbors and actually turn the other cheek when they whack us, uh, go the second mile, and all these things that Jesus teaches so clearly in the Sermon on the Mount and other places like Romans 12. Um, it was To me, it's really a blessing to see Jesus' example. You know, if Jesus would be asking all these things of us but would not have lifted a finger to practice them, the story would be so different. But Jesus uh, not only taught these things with his words, but he lived them with his life, and what an example. The Bible says in Matthew that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Here we have these men that were fishing, and here comes this man that they probably knew about and had heard about and maybe even seen some miracles. And he tells, asked them to follow him. And they abandoned everything and did that. And I've often wondered, you know, how these men felt years later. When their journey, following Jesus and, and going through everything they went through. And, and uh, you know, especially there at the end when things were kind of, in their minds, were falling apart. They were hoping that Jesus would uh, establish a kingdom on, in Jerusalem and have a natural kingdom here on earth. And, oh, my, those men went through some terribly hard times. And then they were so disappointed. I wonder sometimes if they just thought about it, you know. This man isn't what he's. Can you imagine Peter the day when he was wanted to protect Jesus? I mean, he really loved Jesus. And he wanted to protect him. And he jerked out that sword that Jesus had said they should take along and he was going to use it. And then rebuked him and healed the ear. And again, a tremendous lesson of exactly what we're talking about is, is non-resistance and loving instead of using violence. A change, a dramatic change from the Old Testament to the New. And you begin to wonder, did Jesus ever, I mean, did these men ever... Were they sorry that they followed Jesus? I'm sure there are periods of time in their lives when they questioned their wisdom of have followed, followed him. But then if we follow the story through all the way to the end, Jesus' resurrection, and then he meeting his disciples in the ascension, and then when the Holy Spirit came, I mean, you know good and well those men were not sorry that they followed Jesus. And they were just as excited as Jesus was to share the good news. My wife and I, thinking of this journey of coming to Waslala, Tim Schrock and his wife and different other missionaries that have went through this journey, we sometimes ask ourselves the question, was that really, was that really smart? 
When we got married, my wife and I, we were just young, oh, so naive, so ignorant. Uh, we both felt that if we wanted to get married, it was to serve God better. And, of course, there were other purposes to get married, too. But that was one of the things that burned in our hearts. If we get married, we want to be able to serve God better than we did when we were single. So we did something really strange when we walked out. No, at the end of the reception, I got my brother to give a talk on service. And it doesn't really fit in with a wedding, you know, but that was our goal. We said, we want to serve God. And we got him to talk about service. And then we had a, a couple sing that song, So Send I You. And, uh, you know, if we would have known, if we would have known, you know, those words are really serious if you look at them. And we were, we were saying, Jesus, we're, and if we're ready to suffer. We're willing to, to, to go anywhere. And, and we meant it. But we were so naive. We did not know what's behind that. But I just can't help but believe that God looked down and saw those young people and their desire. And he just took us seriously. So send I you. He just took us seriously. And we offered and he grabbed that. And when we came to Waslala, we did not realize that it was one of the most dangerous places in Nicaragua. That out soon. Soon we found out. But you know, God just says, that's a dark corner of my world. And there's a lot of lost children out there. And I need a light. I need a candle. I need a burning light. And uh, of course, he was there with us and helped us. He knew we'd handle it. And we look back now like those disciples when they dropped everything and followed Jesus I mean, we're not even in heaven yet, but uh, I'm not sorry that we made that commitment and followed him, even in the face of suffering, like we things we went through. And it's not just waslala, you know that. If you are serious in your walk with God, you're following Jesus. That's the question this afternoon. Well, are you willing to follow Jesus? And all that entails, are you willing to go wherever he sends you? Are you willing to go into situations that are very uncomfortable for the flesh? Uh, my, my encouragement would be, you can't lose by following Jesus. Just go for it. Step by faith. Go out and follow his footsteps. Follow his call. And uh, he will help you uh, through anything. And it's not just in Waslala where we go through tough times. All of us, all of us go through things like suffering and, and we have to face this thing of people that are against us, enemies, uh, people that can't hack us, you know, and, and, and we rub the wrong way. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, our calling is to turn around and love those people and attack them not with anger and hate and arms, but with love and good works and, and uh, blessings. Right, you mentioned the other day something about uh, being wise as serpents and as tame as pigeons. I don't know how it says in English. That's a beautiful thing when we walk with Jesus and trust him and just, you know, every day. The amazing things that he helps us with. I mentioned uh, this morning through those robberies. Uh, we never, we always thought maybe it'll be this way this time or the next time will be different. It'll be that way. But it always was a surprise. And the things we 
prepared or planned to say it ended up it was different. But the fact that every time in those robberies we felt God's presence, his direction, the words, the right words to speak, it, there were, it were tremendous experiences. And then, of course, uh, during those times, we kind of got robber smart. And um, a lot of things, you know, with experiences every time we learn. And, of course, one of the things we learned was always be kind. And another thing was uh, we really encouraged the family to not panic, not scream. And it's amazing how God would bless them with, with enough calm to face, you know, very difficult situations without screaming. I don't think ever through all of that, any of my family ended up, you know, like losing it or screaming or, or uh, panicking. But, um, and then of course we, we had uh, radio communication with Costa Rica. We had expensive radios. I forget what, they weren't ham, but they were really strong radios where we could communicate with Costa Rica. And we knew that if, the robbers would steal these, these radios, we would be disconnected and wouldn't be able to talk to our families. So just a little bit, you know, how to be smart as a, as a serpent. <clears throat> we had this, uh, this old, this thing is 20 years old now, so it's all battered, but I kept it. What we did is hollow out a book, cut out the insides. Back then it wasn't as shredded, and then we would just slip it over the radio like this, slip it on. And from the back, it looked like just all the rest of the books and they never found it. They took our CD, CBs, we had CB radios just for local contact. We had old CBs on purpose that didn't work very good. We had cameras that didn't, that were old and not worth much. And uh, so we'd always give them this older stuff and the Lord would protect, especially uh, protected our radios. Anyway, uh, those are some of the things that, but then again, we go back to Jesus' example and how he, how he, um, in these things, and he was so wise, he, he pulled off so many uh, tricks or whatever you call them with the people that hated him, but always gentle, always kind. So as we follow Jesus, you know, this morning we went over the, the scriptures in Matthew and, um, and there in um, Romans 12. You know, it says, you know, this, this thing that people argue against, that that can't be, that if they slap you on one, you would turn the other. But what did Jesus do? They slapped him on the face. The Bible doesn't say that he literally turned the other cheek. What does it say? He opened not his mouth. So uh, that's probably harder than, than turning the cheek is keeping your mouth shut when somebody slaps you on the face. It talked about going the second mile. Did Jesus go the second mile for us, brethren? A lot further than the second mile, the fourth and the fifth and the tenth and the hundredth mile that he went for our sake, for our salvation. Pray for those who spitefully use you. It's such a blessing to pray for robbers. I'll tell you that. To pray for them in their presence. And different times, opportunity of praying for them, witnessing to them. Did Jesus pray 
for his enemies? Absolutely. I don't know uh, in Spanish, in Luke, where it says that um, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what, to, what they do. In Luke, in Spanish, it says he would say that repeatedly. Now, I looked in English and I couldn't find a translation that would have brought that out. So possibly Spanish has something there, a little extra that maybe it's not supposed to be. But anyway, that picture of Jesus praying for his enemies, you know, all night long. And slap him on the face for they know not what to do. And then they lay him down on the cross, or maybe he laid himself down on the cross and drove in the nails. And he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, he's praying for them. He's praying for those people, sincerely and honestly. And I've often asked myself the question, would it be possible that God would have forgiven them that specific sin? Because they don't know what they're doing. I believe this was sincerely. And honestly praying that prayer because he loved them. He sincerely loved them and wanted them for them. <clears throat> you know, the, the Bible says that at one point, both of the two thieves that were crucified with him were slandering him. Okay. Later, of course, we know that one of them switched. And I can't help but believe that as he saw that love, that those, the response to his enemies, just like in Waslala, it convinced their neighbors that they want to follow Christ because they saw that power that is so unnatural. So this man is watching Jesus and he changes his tune. And then, of course, he ends up saying, Lord, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Such a beautiful example of Jesus loving his enemies and the result in salvation of these men. So the question is, I, as I close down this little meditation before we go into stories and stuff like that, um, Jesus is not asking anything of us that he did not do himself. He gave us a wonderful example. So if there's anybody out there that questions if, if Jesus was serious about loving your enemies, just study the life of Christ and follow his examples and understand the change from the Old Testament to the New. Follow his footsteps and it won't always be easy, but he is right there to help us and will um, take us to glory where we don't have to worry about robbers anymore. Back at the time when our family was going through the most difficult times, my wife would sometimes would weep. And she'd say, I can't wait to get to heaven because there are no robbers there. So, okay, we're going to go into another part of our, uh, of our little class this afternoon. So here we go. Yeah. Uh-oh. Can you see him? Yes, we sure can. He looks downright scary. <laughs> well, this is my what, what, are, what are you holding? What are you holding? Hold it up a little bit higher. Oh, no. A homemade pistol. Okay. Now, this looks real crazy, you know. This is my friend Samir. Hi. His, his, his mother is part of our church. 
He works here for me to help me. These are this stuff he is wearing, and this pistol is actually stuff that the robbers used on us. We had a robber that we ended up calling our robber because he came five times, and he'd come more or less every two weeks once he sold all the stuff that he stole from us and ran out of cash, he'd come back. So the one time he came with this mask, is a, is a bandana. This mask is a bandana. He just simply made some holes in it and um, wrapped it around his face and used this little pistol. This was, I think, our third robbery. Yeah, first, we didn't realize it's the same man. And he had this old sack on his, stripped on him. Now it's sold, it's falling apart. But uh, the next day after he left, I went like I usually would. I'd go out exploring and see where all this guy was and where he, he was up on a hill watching our house before it got dark, getting ready for this robbery. And afterwards, after he left with his bags of stuff that he stole, he took this pistol, what a pistol, wrapped it in this thing and hid it at the base of a tree. And I found it. And I went home and I said, honey, he's coming back. I'm sorry, but he's coming back. Well, we didn't put it back at the base of the tree. So the next time he came, the next time he came he didn't have his armor didn't have his mask so he had a long sleeve shirt on he had on a long sleeve shirt as you can see this is the cuff and here's his sleeve he cut that thing off at the both of them off at the base and he stripped this thing over his face it's But now he had his mask back again with one of the sleeves from his uh, from his shirt. And by then we're recognizing it's the same fella. And the time that he held us up with this pistol, he was outside. He told me to go get Tim Schrock and bring him over and uh, because he wants his money as well. When Tim Schrock came up the hill, by then we were pretty sure it's the same guy and he saw that uh, pistol was made out of wood. So Tim walked over toward him confidently, and he's saying, go inside, go inside, and get down on your face. Boca abajo, what he said, means get on your face. Well, Tim recognized that it's just a a, a whatever, and went up and shook his hand, made him put his pistol down and shake hands with him. So the next time he came, one of the first times he came, he took this big black plastic, Got a hole in the middle. There you go. And with the piece that he cut out here in the hole, he made this. Now, what do you think that would look like in the middle of the night? You come charging in saying, Boca Wow. Well, he was very careful. Every robbery, he'd drop things outside, and I'd, next day, that was my, my hobby. I'd go look up the stuff that he left late, and uh, 
and he had different times like that, he left his stuff laid. This fellow came five times. If you've read the book, The Price, um, he would laugh about it. He would joke with his friends how he can go to the gringo's place and he puts them down and flat down and, and gets their stuff and he'd laugh about it. But then it was very sad because the Lord dealt with him and he was killed. Not anything uh, that we did or we'd pray for his salvation. We'd witness to him. And, um, but they cruelly butchered him. They cut him up with a machete. They said when they went to get his body, they brought it home in pieces. <clears throat> then we have some other things here. One of the interesting times that we were robbed, they uh, robbed us with this, with a gun like this. This is, this is a banana gun. This thing, this here, the, the, oh my, what do you call this thing? Is the only thing that's original. But like a machine got, gun. Yeah, it's a machine gun. This here thing is the only thing that's original. But this morning, my little friend Samir helped me to go find this stuff so it would look. Now, can you imagine in the middle of the night, a guy holds you up and, and this is just a silhouette. It doesn't work. But this is the original thing that we saved. But a silhouette of this in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> it's enough. It's all it takes to, to scare you bad enough. And uh, anyway, what happened was that night there was these guys that came with, with this gun to hold us up. But they ended up, they didn't use it, of course. <laughs> First of all, it doesn't work. Second, they didn't need it <laughs> because we cooperated. Everything they said we did, and that was one of those times I think that we served coffee. I'm not sure. There were so many times. But uh, what happened then is they asked me if we, if we had a gun. Well, somebody had given my son a pellet gun in those days, and I wasn't sure about this, but, hey, it's not a real gun, and, uh, but it looked like a 22. So when he asked me if we had a gun, I said, no, we don't. But I said, my, done, my son has a pellet gun that resembles a gun. Because I didn't want him to find it later and then be angry at me because I would have lied. So I told him honestly, well, then he wanted to see it. So uh, we had it hidden under a desk and I went and pulled it out and he looked at it and he said, well, how does that thing work? So I took the pellet gun, you know, and I pumped some air in it. And it had pellets that work. So there was a, under the steps, there was a bag of flour, my wife's flour. So I just pop, shot into the, into the flour, showed him that it does shoot, but it's just a pellet. I said, it's just an air gun. It doesn't hurt you. You know, doesn't hurt. I just lay. So I laid it down at the table there and we went on and he took us through the house. Um, this, Open that box, open this door, give me this, give me that. And he's, you know, we didn't have any money because uh, when they'd insist we have to have money because, because we're Americans and we have land and we have farms. And then I'd explain, I said, look, we can't have money here. We're always getting robbed. And 
we don't even give offering money in the church. All we do is put in a slip of paper. And once a week, we settle out in Waslala where, where we keep our money. If we have need money to pay our hired guys, we bring it out and we dish it out and we don't have any money. And I asked, I remember one time I asked a fellow, would you have money in your house after 16 robberies? And then he, he didn't answer, but I could see that he, you know, he understood. But you can have stuff. You can take anything you want. And we often had a little bit of cash. We'd give them that first, of course. So that night, later in the robbery, he wanted to go upstairs where the bedroom praying. And so I said, well, please, could we just pass that on? Uh, my family is so scared. They have been traumatized so many times. Could we please? Just... No, he said, no, open up. So I go over and knocked on the door and I'd always told my family never to open the door unless I knocked and I say open. So I asked him to open. And uh, then he stood in the doorway and with his uh, flashlight and shone around, I think the generator was off that night and shone around. I remember he shone right in my wife's face. I didn't like that very good. But anyway, he, um, give me this, check that box, open that suitcase. And then uh, my children, I had got a, a laptop and it had it on under a cushion in one in a love seat we had in our bedroom. And they looked so guilty sitting there on that love seat. And he, he said, uh, tell those children to get up. So get up, uh, Jacinto and Janie. And, and then he said, lift up the cushions. And I had told him to hide the laptop somewhere else, but he lifted up the cushions and there was the laptop. So, of course, he wanted that. But then the family told me later, he said, those guys were armed. I said, really? No, I didn't ever saw a gun. Yeah. And the next morning we found the banana gun outside by the house propped against the, the wall. So then I knew that nobody goes to a house to steal with a banana gun if they have a real gun. So they didn't have a real gun. Well, the next day, the BB gun, I mean, the pellet gun was gone. So he obviously used it when he was up there in the bedroom and he would just let, he'd hide it behind himself, beside himself, and would only let the tip stick out and you could see it was a gun. So the family thought he was armed. So really he used the pellet gun on ourselves. <clears throat> that night we had the opportunity of witnessing to these men to the place where when they left, they were our friends. And like often happened when they left, that we would shake hands and we would thank them for not having been mean. And then they thank us for opening up and cooperating. So those are some of the experiences we had. One night, uh, we had a robber. This story comes out on the price. There was uh, guys there <clears throat> with machine guns this time, really serious robbers. They didn't have banana guns and and pistols made out of wood. After they were done, and they went down, left our house down to the hill, there's a little gener generator house down there, and we thought that the robbery was over. We got up off the floor, we were praising the Lord, we were talking and saying, you know, this is wonderful, again, God protected us, everybody's safe, and uh, you know, one of those moments when you're just so glad to be alive. And all of a sudden, boom, there was a shot just right down the hill. And of course we hit the floor again and, and we're, didn't know what's happening. Well, later the next morning 
we went down to the generator house and found the shell of the of the bullet that was shot, machine gun shell. And we found the place where the bullet had penetrated the dug it up so we had the we had the whole thing, just one of those things. But it's interesting. This we found out later that the robbers were fighting over the loot. They had gotten some cash that time. I was that we had some cash on hand. And they got in a fight. That story comes out in the price because this man was later was converted. Um, he, when we were at Tim's, going through their house, they had Tim and his wife and me sitting outside the house on a bench on a porch, and they were just ransacking the house and looking for things. Well, this guy that was later converted came down and. Um, Ask if he could have uh, this Bible. He found Rosa's Bible. And it was a nice little Bible with a zipper. And uh, he wanted the Bible. Well, that was really funny for us to have a robber wanting a Bible. But Rosa said, well, yes, but could I at least my photos out? So uh, he gave her permission and she emptied the Bible of all her precious notes and things and photos and gave it back to him. He, he said, are you sure? I will not take this Bible and voluntarily. Well, this fellow then later gave his testimony, came to my house and asked for forgiveness. We wept, forgave him. I already had And uh, we bonded. Took that Bible home. And then he was... Uh, caught by the police, and they stuck him in prison. And he asked his mom to send that Bible in because uh, he wanted, you know, had a lot of spare time, and he wanted to read the Bible. We're not sure this guy's story was really, really interesting, how because of that Bible, he began reading it. He'd read it out loud, and then others wanted to read it, and it started getting passed around from uh, cell to cell. And he claims that there was a tremendous revival in that prison because of that Bible. So exactly, he was not, he never did join our church. He lives back over the hills here and is part of an evangelical church. But um, he gave testimony of how he was touched his visit at our place, how the Lord used that. One time, um, <clears throat> I think it was the second time that he got the Bible, but he was there twice. So Roberts was touched, and that Bible was a, a, a blessing to him. And, and then he's the one that told us the story about how they got in this fight down there, and he, he took his machine gun and shot at the other fellow's feet. I think that night there were three or four of them. And uh, that's where, where that bullet came from. So praise the Lord that, you know, there's some of these robbers were converted, but most of them, as far as we know, uh, a lot of them actually, you know, they, they get killed. And it's sad. It's sad. We never, you know, wish them to get killed. We'd pray for their salvation. <clears throat> So let me see what else. 
this is probably the thing that's most touching for, for me is these strings and these ropes. This was the time that the robbers came at 7.30 to Eldon Cronelson's house, came to our place at 8.30 uh, and were kept us hostage all night long. They um, had us like hostage in our own home. They took the keys, saved money early in the evening, and it just got stronger. The pressure stronger, stronger. And these were wicked men. They had a pistol. That's all they had, one pistol. But uh, this finally came to a head when they were so determined to get money that, well, first they were threatening to kidnap us. Tim, Tim Schrock or me and um, Louis Yoder was there. A young single fellow was with us. And uh, the time, you know, it got down to where, okay, if you don't get us money, we're taking you to the jungle. And I said, well, I guess that's okay. Would you give me permission to say goodbye to my family? And could I pray before I go? And they said, yes. So I went upstairs and, um, said goodbye to my family. I, at that point, you know, I wasn't totally sure they're taking me, but we were always prepared because we knew that might happen, a kidnapping. So that was a really tough minute, you can imagine, after I said goodbye and started walking toward the door. One of my daughters ran and grabbed my pant legs, and she cried, and Daddy, please don't go. And that there again, you know, it wasn't like they panicked or screamed. But that time she clung to me, and I just gently said, look, I have to go, we'll, but God will take care of me. So I went downstairs, and I went up to them, and they had these strings ready. I knew what they were going to do is tie me up. So I went over. No, first we prayed, Lou and I. We got on our knees and raised our hands, and I tell you, those are prayers that are really sincere. I prayed for the robbers. I prayed for my family. I prayed for our safety, that his will would be done, that he would give us grace and whatever. And after I was done, I walked up to the to the main robber and gave him my hands. And I said, here I am. You can tie me up now. I'm ready to go. And of course, they were not prepared for kidnapping. That's a lot. That's a serious business in Nicaragua. So then he got upset and he looked over to the heavyset guy that was there, and he said, tie this gringo up, see if you're going to give us some money or not. And this when they tied my hands, my hands behind my back, and then they uh, tied my feet together, made me lay down, tied my feet together, and then they pulled the strings together. In other words, cocked my feet up and my arms down, and I'm, I'm in, a, in a really, really awkward position. And then they did that to Louis Yoder as well. In the next two hours, they were, um, they had us tied like that, trying to just, you know, convince me that I'm going to give them some money. So it was a long time. They'd, they'd say, okay, think about it, talk about it, tell us what you can do. But if you don't have money, you know, they keep on threatening. Well, I remember we were really tired, Louie and I, and we'd sing. We sang from the floor. Louie can really sing a good tenor with the Greenville Quartet. Some of you probably heard him. So uh, we sang How Great Thou Art. And um, I, at one point, was so tired, I wormed myself over and got myself up on top of him. I said, hey, can I use you as a pillow, man? I'm cramped. And he said, sure. 
Well, then they got the family down and they got the family around the living room and, and, and these guys, then they put their hoods on. It made them look horrible. They didn't have them on all the time. And, um, oh, first when they were, when they had me on the, on the, on the ground, they had these ropes here. The one guy, the big heavyset guy had this rope that he was like threatening to hit me, you know, to lash me, but he never praised the Lord. He never touched me. But he left the ropes lay, and that's why we kept them. And then he, there, here are the strings they used to tie my wrists and my feet. They were double. We cut them then to, to get them loose. But this is what also stayed, and it gives us so many memories of that horrible night. Anyway, they got the family together, and then they're telling the family, okay, this man is not cooperating. We want $4,000. And we're not going to take no for an answer. So talk talk to him. And they claim to put bombs in different places of the house. They're going to blow the house up. They're going to they're going to do this. They're going to do that. They threatened a lot. And by then, you know, they they were wearing me down. This is one o'clock in the morning, and I am totally tired. And the family saying, "Daddy, couldn't we take the loophole? We had a loophole. We had decided that as a mission, there's no ransom money." Because if we would have started giving money as ransom money, um, our mission would have to close down. And we'd explain that to, to the robbers. You know, we can't give ransom money. But that night uh, is when they started then going for my children. I had mentioned that this morning. They threatened to rape my, one of my daughters. Uh, they said, we're going to take one of the, the girls out in the dark. And when she comes back, she won't be the same. And then, of course, the family says, Daddy, shouldn't we just... Take the loophole. Could you negotiate? Do something, you know. So, um, and I'm laying there on the floor, you know, what do I do? I don't want to give in. And yet, really serious. These men would not take no for an answer. And very, very cold-hearted. <clears throat> that one minute they're laughing and talking and teasing my little Kenny, which was a baby. And the next minute they're threatening to blow us. So, um, finally, when when the, the leader told the big Black guy, go get the girl. When he got up to walk over, then I said, just a minute. I said, uh, I don't have any money. I've been telling you all evening I don't have any money. But I did sell some calves, but they haven't paid me yet. But I think if I would send my son to town, I could probably borrow some money. So that's the way the whole thing ended. It's a long story. But as soon as we were negotiating... He told the family they can go back upstairs. He released some of my ropes. He kept my hands tied and sat me up. On it was a matter of negotiating. And then at uh, one o'clock, my son and Louis went to town. Were able to borrow some money, thousand, and brought it back. And then they, at four o'clock, they finally left and took Louis and my son Jacinto with them. And at gunpoint, took them out and in a vehicle and our vehicle and asked them to take them supposedly just down the road a ways. But it ended up 30, left at 4, back to 9.30. They were from far away. Turn around and come back. So those are probably some of the wife and I in our life is to... Well, first of all, the whole ordeal from church hadn't eaten any supper all night long. Now it's nine nine thirty and back, and we decided that probably 
you know, they kidnapped him now and are going to ask for more money. And, oh, my, it's a long story. The brethren came at 7 o'clock. The brethren of the church came, the native brethren and Tim Schrocks. And, and uh, we had a lot of support, a lot of comfort. But, you know, where is our son? Where is Louie? At 9.30, they drove in safe and sound. That was a tremendous blessing. So, yeah, those are some of the things that uh, we went through, and we'll be opening up for questions here. Um, there's a lot lot more stories, but uh, that's probably enough for today unless you ask for more or something specific that you would like to hear. Okay, well, thank you so much. Brother Pablo, for for sharing those those touching stories and um, how God worked through your lives in that time. Um, so yeah, we, we've had some questions come in. Um, some came in this morning as well. Um, and let's see, where do we start here? Okay, so the first question that we have here um, is this. In the case of a robbery or assault, is it right to call the police? So you could you could even take this, um, if, you know, it, it, when it's actually happening um, or or afterwards. What what are your? How did you handle that there in Nicaragua? How, how maybe you could tell us about that context once? When we first started being robbed we felt responsible to go to the police to let them know what's happening. Uh, you know, they're law and order. They need to know what's happening. So we did that. We would go in and we would tell them that if they do catch him, we'll pardon them. We won't press charges. But right. we're here to give you a report of what happened. And they'd, of course, ask all kinds of questions. But what was really sad and is still sad is that it didn't help much. Hmm. One of the worst robberies that traumatized us most was the first time the guy came, you know, the one that came five times, he came with another man and they were extremely cruel the way they treated us. They didn't have guns. We didn't know it. He acted like he had a machine gun, but it was just a machete we found out later. And just screaming. And we found out that when they have guns, they don't need to scream. They don't have to makes they just show their gun you know people just melt but these guys were so mean well later this very man was walking around town we found out who it was the neighbors themselves discover he was spending dollars he was buying things and he was drinking with the police he would actually they go into the police station well, the next time the police came around and said that they wanted to, you know, uh, you know anything. And then we just, I think it was Tim Schrock, just bluntly said, well, we don't know what's going on. He said, that guy goes right into the police station and he's in and out of the police station and he's drinking with some of your men. Then the police said, yeah, well, it's just that's the tactic we use. We, we bring him in and we, we get close to him and then we ask him, hey, do you got a camera for sale? He had stole one of the cameras. Do you have a camera for sale? And we finally, we set things up and then once we have proof and then we catch it, well, that is absolutely not even true. So, and we gave up after, you know, a certain amount of times we gave up. 
uh, and wouldn't even report. It didn't help. Maybe even made things worse. There was uh, twice guys came that we think were actually soldiers from the army right here in the army base in Las Lala. So here at that time, it wouldn't help anyway. So we gave up on it. Now here where we live right now, we have uh, our houses are more secure. We're just a stone's throw from town. Um, depends the situation. I'd probably call the police. Mm-hmm. But then hopefully the police would deal with them gently and give us opportunities to talk to them and love them. And, and we wouldn't press charges. That's kind of where we're at. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, another question that, that runs along the theme of, of, of some of the consequences these men experienced in their lives. Uh, you've talked about numerous different robbers who did not end up well for them. Um, and this morning you talked about that one who was who had sold himself to Satan and he was mm-hmm. incredibly hardened. Uh, that was quite a story. Um, someone submitted, submitted this question kind of in light of that. Is the cold, I'm sorry, is the cold comfort of knowing that God will judge harshly the, the harassment of the apple of, of his eye a feeling that God can approve in the Christian's life? Okay, F- finding comfort in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there in Thessalonians, it says that it's fair that now we who suffer, we're suffering and they're having a good time. It's fair that that switches and someday we're going to have rest and they're going to be suffering. I think those those truths, uh, I don't know if I would have ever just exactly gotten comfort out of it. But, yeah, um, like I said, we would pray for them sincerely for their salvation. But um, we knew all along that, you know, God has his limits. And we saw it happen again and again. You know, he says it. He said, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. I, I always felt if I would try to revenge on a robber, I would be cheating. I would be taking God's job, I'd be trying to do what God's going to do, and he knows how to do that when and where and what's best. He, that, that's for, It's not for me. So comfort in it, yeah. Those truths are what, you know, helped us go through it. It's just temporary. And um, I don't know, maybe there's more questions more specifically there. But it's not like, I can honestly say it was not like something we're, jumping up and down about, you know, just gleefully waiting till that, till mm-hmm. he get actually mm-hmm. would feel sad when some of these guys. Yes. Were- sure. And th- that really came out too, as you shared about, you know, you made those gift baskets mm-hmm. or that, that really hardened one, especially and your, mm-hmm. your, your tears, your, you went and gave him a hug. Um, mm-hmm. I was really touched with that, that love. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's a uh, supernatural love. Amen. That spoke to those, 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 those people, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question to think about. Thanks for, thanks for answering that. Okay, well, we have a couple more here yet. Um, and if there's any more from the group here, feel free to submit those questions uh, as, as, you're, as, you're, as they're coming up in your mind. Uh, feel free to submit those, and we'll try to get to them. Um, so the next question here 
is is from a different angle and it's good. I like it. And the question is this, does this only work in a Christian context? So this is the, the power of, of enemy love. Um, and then continuing, could the same thing work between two enemies where neither is a Christian? Um, so I, I think, you know, what, what this person is getting at here is, is it possible for this to happen um, where a person who's not a follower of Christ decides to try to follow Christ? <laughs> Burns the um, secret. And, 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 and shows love to his enemy. He himself isn't a Christian. So do you know of any situations where this has happened where it's totally secular people saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. I'm going to heat coals of fire and, and win this and, and, and be smart and, and overcome the situation. I'm, I'm curious uh, if, if you thought about that before, how you, how you respond to that. Yeah, well, we have an example. Yes, I never really thought of it. Just a perfect example. One of our neighbors, rich farmer, just across the road from the clinic, from my farm, uh, we became friends because we're adjacent farms and he's had cattle and we had cattle and we back and forth and we became good friends. And they, he and his son, they would tell us, look, you guys don't know how to act in Nicaragua. You cannot give the poor people rides in your vehicle. You cannot be non-resistant with the robbers. And this fellow, the rich, the old man, had had a gun, had a pistol. And uh, at the very same time that we were getting robbed, he was, of course, protecting himself. And he he knew how to do it. And he would talk to us. And he'd say, your system will not work. You're going to get killed. If you give poor people rides, they'll take advantage of you. You have to separate yourself from the poor people. And that's the way they lived here. The rich farmers are one group and these poor people are another. Well, we of course didn't listen. We kept right on going. One day we hear some shots. In the middle of the day, we hear a volley of shots. And uh, the next thing we know, the word is out. They kidnapped Lolo Lanza. That's the name of the guy. His son, um, let me see how I've, he found out anyway in town and he got money and was going out to meet them. But this, they hauled him off. They shot his tires out, hauled him into the woods and made a deal with, with this rich man. But see, they had machine guns and a pistol doesn't, you have no chance with a machine gun. So they shot his tires out, took his pistol away, later used it in robberies that we knew. And, made a deal with him. The next day, that man, scared as can be, he went home and told his son, oh, his son was getting the police. He said, get the police back. So everybody go home. I made a deal and I promised not to tell anybody. I mean, not tell the police. So they stopped the police and he went out the next day and met him right close to our place with a big chunk of money. And the guy was wearing his expensive witch, uh, wristwatch, the, the robber was, and probably had his pistol on his belt. And we thought that this guy, the rich farmer, is going to get rid of this robber, but he didn't. Well, actually, he, I don't think he even knew who it was at that point. Anyway, it's a long story. But you know what? All of a sudden, that man switched. All of a sudden, he was giving the poor people rides. 
He would stop and visit the poor people in their homes. He started treating the poor people nicely. And he really, really uh, used a real smart tactic. But it's not the same. You know what I mean? He, he did it. He changed. And people started liking him better. And everybody would talk about it. Man, Lolo Lanza is just really different with us. You know, he's not this proud, rich guy going up and down on the road in his closed vehicle. But his heart was not changed. And we knew, some of us knew, that he said it will never happen again. He bought a better pistol, and he said, this time I'm going to fight. And, and even if they kill me, I'm not going to allow them to treat me like a dog. But it's amazing. Uh, he, still, he still lives down there in Kusuli, and I met him the other day, and we had a nice visit. And he has totally changed his way of treating the poor people. His heart is not changed, and he can only go so far. You know good and well that depending the situation, he's gonna he's gonna burst. He's gonna, burst. Burst. He's gonna shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Maybe it's but as far as the policy itself. Uh, like I said before, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive if we would not have used the. I guess even for people that that aren't Christians to a certain extent, you know. Go ahead. Sure. Um, we can maybe call it just the Proverbs way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do, treating others as you want to be treated uh, mm-hmm. is the smart way. And I think um, right. there, there would be some people wise enough in this world to actually do that. And mm-hmm. the sad thing is, is there's Christians that aren't wise enough to do that. Exactly. They pack, they pack a big gun. Um, and that's so sad and so inconsistent with so the way sad. of Jesus. That's and right. there's actually also statistics is to prove that you have a higher, in, in, in the case of an armed robbery, you have a higher chance of living if you're not armed. That's right. But when you're armed, you right away escalate the situation and it gets out of hand very right. quickly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good, good. Some interesting thoughts there. Okay. So I have two questions here. I'm going to, I'm going to pair them together because they kind of run along the same theme. They're sobering questions and it has to do with the ladies and the sisters among us here. Um, and I'm just going to read these off here. Uh, in, 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 De- in Deuteronomy 22, it says if a woman doesn't cry out in the situation of a man forcing her, she is guilty also. Is that, is that the response a woman should have in a situation like that? Or are there other ways for her to try to protect herself? So that's the one question. And then the second question like, ties in with that is... Do Jesus' teachings on nonviolence allow a girl to carry pepper spray to protect herself from an attack? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay, the first one is the first one again. Sure, it's it's um, out of Deuteronomy twenty-two, uh, where it says, oh, "Yes, it, yes, doesn't yeah. cry out." Yeah, in that situation. You know, people that don't have the Holy Spirit, those laws were good and right. And as far as like our situation here in Waslala, um, my wife cried out, but it was to God. Hmm. She cried out loud, Lord, please help me cover me with your blood. 
And uh, the strength of this man and what he was doing was, you know, compared to her strength. She was pushing him away, and it was absolutely, you know, a no-go. You can't, you can't, a woman can't push a man away. Let's put it that way. But when she cried out, but she's not doing it so that the neighbors know that it's a rape and not consensual. She cries out to God and and God answers her prayer, just like that. When she cried out and prayed, that man backed off. Amazing. So, you know, I don't know, in, in, in our circumstances here, the people know it's not consensual. I don't know if it would work or not. I, I just, I really haven't thought much about it, but I'd suggest cry out to God. Amen. Then as far as pepper spray, I'd never thought of that one either. But, uh, of course, we know that a woman would uh, not voluntarily allow a man to, to rape her. In other words, she would resist that. But pepper spray would be what? It wouldn't be like a gun, but it would be trying to hurt him. So he, in other words, what I said a bit ago this morning, I feel like when we start taking force into our hands, God's job, we're taking the angel's job away. Why do I need pepper spray if I have a bright angel beside me I just can't see him? The Bible says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around those that fear him. So if I'm a person that fear God, I love him, I have a relationship with him, why would I want to use pepper spray, spray if I've got an angel? And that angel is going to know exactly where to draw the line and what I can take and what I can. Look what happened to Job. I mean, wow, he should have had some pepper spray or something to save himself from all those terrible things that happened to him. But see, God knew exactly where he was taking him. He knew exactly what he could take. He knew exactly what his purposes were. And God is in control of that. So I would tell my daughter to, well, <laughs> I'll just tell you. Right now here in Waslada, we're going through a difficult time. And, and don't ask me for the pictures. But right now here in Waslala, there are there's a band of men out nights that are uh, attacking older men, women. They don't have guns. They have machetes. But they are desperate almost every night in this last week, early in the morning. One lady, they, they, she was going to get the bus. She had money on her, and they grabbed her, and she resisted, and they took a machete, and the pictures are, are horrible. Another guy, they hauled him down by the river, choked him, and killed him. Two weeks ago, they took another one down to the river and shot him. They were stealing from him, got his cycle. Another lady, I mean, I could just go on and tell you stories. Right now, Waslala is in a mess. Our police are just pretty well absent. Our situation politically, it's just, wow. so now, this is, this is where we're, what we're facing right now. I live up here in this house with my wife. My two children live down at the other house, which is um, 200 yards, 300 yards down across and there's an orchard between us. We can't see each other. Um, and now my son went to teach at Zapoticum again, where Jacintos are at as pastoring. So now Jane is alone. 
And some of our national brethren have been pretty concerned about that. Now, with the situation we we're in, especially with Holy Week coming up, Holy Week is a bad time. Christmas, Holy Week, people want money to party and to drink, and and they they get it. So Janie's all by herself. And last night she was up here, and I was telling her, "Look, Janie, when you go down to the house, it was eight o'clock. You go down there, you drive down there, and as you come to your house, we have lights, flooded lights, and cameras." Uh, there. I said, when you get down there and you see anything spooky, you see any shadow, you just keep going and go, go into town and call me. Or when you when you're coming the other way and you come up into, into the house and you see something's funny, you just keep right on coming up here and I'll help you. And then, of course, if she's in the house, she'll call me and we have this thing set up. But I, I, I didn't tell her to buy any pepper. I told her last night, I said, just, you know, pray, walk with the Lord, and we'll take care of you, but let's be careful. So it's the kind of thing we face. We close up. As soon as it gets dark, we lock our houses because we have not had an armed robbery, praise the Lord. But there haven't been armed robberies. Sapoticum has had this thing that happened with Haimong was actually like four four years ago maybe. And Tim Schrock two years ago had a had a robbery where they tortured they took a knife and stuck it up his nose and kept jabbing it up until it popped out the top. And they slashed his throat just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. They took his knife and went like that with the backside of it. And you know, those things are happening here. But I guess I feel that if I would start buying pepper spray I'd probably be uh, telling the angels just kind of let me take care of it. I don't know. That's that's my opinion. Sure. Thank you for for sharing that, Brother Pablo. Um, wow, I, I didn't realize or for so I forgot about the unstable situation you have there in Nicaragua yeah. right now, and uh, what you're sharing here is is uh, is past stories, but it's it's a real reality that your area isn't as stable as. My town is for sure. Um, so may God bless you as you strive to follow him. And as you, as you strive to be as wise as serpents and harmless yes. as doves. Yes. And I think um, that is really fitting here in this whole discussion that we're just having. Okay. Um, there's, we, we got some time here yet. We've had some more questions that have come in here that we haven't tackled yet. Um, so I'm going to give you a, another two, two, two pairs of questions. Um, the first question that said the scenarios that you discussed were unique to a certain culture and robbers. So using restraint appears to have not been a wise option. However, in the U S we have an increased amount of drug use resulting in people who are not mentally aware of their surroundings For a person who is under the influence or is, is uh, schizophrenic, would it not be best to reach, restrain that individual in a nonviolent matter while he is trying to kill or violate children and those who can't run from the situation? Um, so that's one question. And then uh, the next question is, what is a proper response to injustice? How can we bring God into situations where people are being wronged? Are being what? 
where people are being wronged. <clears throat> yeah, well, let's start with the first one. Uh, in Costa Rica, years ago, there was a fella that was, was my personal friend and uh, was, we didn't realize it, but he was schizophrenic. And then when he'd lose it, uh, he came to our house and I was married and my wife and I had my first little baby, it was Jacinto. And he came in there raving angry and threatening to kill me. And my wife ran barefoot with the baby down and caught the bus and escaped. And I um, dealt with the guy, but I called for help. And we had, um, I think it was 10 men restraining him. And uh, that's what it took to hold him down. And we took wow. him to the hospital. So uh, I'm not saying some of those situations, like especially with a schizophrenic, uh, I was not alone. I did not hit him. I loved him. He's the one that spit in my face and uh, cursed. And, and I just, you know, Jesus loves you. Try to help him, even if he was, you know, he was out of his mind. But yeah, in that case, we did use restraint. But I'd say, you know, a person has to be very careful to, uh, you know, where that line is because, um, okay, here you have a druggie that God is bringing into your home. So you show him love and possibly this man will be touched and could be saved and you turn around and, and whoop him. You know, that line, it's a fine line there. I'm not sure if I could tell you where exactly that fine line is. Mm -hmm. Sure. Then as far as how, what to do about people that are being wronged, uh, here in Nicaragua, of course, the people would say, you've got to get into politics. You've got to get into there and help vote so you get the right man in and right president in and somebody that will, <coughs> that will uh, fix up the situation. We, as Christians, we've got to get out there and we've got to help make this happen. Well, maybe, again, it's partly a cultural thing, but, man, it sure wouldn't help here because you have one government come in and make a terrible mess. And, oh, right now, justice is so far from Waslala. You go down to the judge. You go to the police. You go to the judge. This is so clear. We've seen it happen. People are constantly telling us. And uh, it's not what's right. It's who has the money. We have a friend that killed and fled. And his dad, with money, got lawyers to get him off scotch-free. He never even looked at the jail. And now he's, he's free because of a lot of money. So here, we, it, we don't even consider getting involved in that package. Politics here is not only vain, but it is, it is dangerous. So, uh, and our nationals have understood that. Although formerly, before they joined our church, they would have been used to being political and getting in there and trying to make things happen. But they have, they have seen through that so well. I mean, it's so much better to spend your time praying than voting. Um, that's my personal opinion. We're not of this kingdom. And this kingdom's, their governments are, you know, they're, they're perverted. They're not, they're not Christians. And uh, we say it might help one guy compared to another, but really, 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 our, our, our relationship was with Christ. We walk with him and we let the world take care of the world. Yes, we, 
witness, we speak to them, we love them, we're active and 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 helping them, but to get involved in their programs to me would be pretty futile. Mm-hmm. Amen. Say that again. Yes. Our kingdom is not of this world. Amen. And we can make them, yeah, I, I really agree with that perspective and working with a friend, um, trying to help them understand that um, it's, it's that one-on-one interaction and showing love to, to your neighbor, treating your neighbors yourself, loving God first and your neighbors yourself is how we, how we change the world. And um, Amen. yeah, thank you for, thank you so much for sharing uh, these, the answers to these questions and these stories uh, today. That uh, is a real, real, real blessing um, to, to be part of this. This morning, a couple of things that stood out to me at the beginning. You were, you were kind of laying the foundation for the purpose uh, and power of enemy love. And you said this, if we lack love, it's a plumbing problem. Amen. We are allowing God to, to, to just flow into us, that living water. Amen. And then it said, if we're not turning on our spigots, we would dry up. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, as we serve and reach out and show love to, well, as you challenge us to, to our spouse, to our children, to our brothers and sisters in our congregation, that's how we can grow and, um, and, and actually uh, become more like God, become more like our King, Jesus. Um, so thank you so much for your, all your challenges and your stories um, and the way you've impacted us in many, many, many ways. Do you have anything else that you would like to share, Pablo, here before we close? Um, and also, Brother Chester, I'll have you close us in prayer then. That's okay with you. Um, so back to you, Pablo. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? And maybe I'll, I'll give you a little well, something I'd like you to share on. And that is, I know that you just came out with a book um, on the Christians in Nigeria. Uh, I, I've seen the book. I don't have it. Um, but I understand you went there and interviewed people, you know, the Christians who are sitting under the incredible destruction of, of radical Islam. And we know that, um, I'm sure there's amazing stories there. We know there's, 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 there's incredible bloodshed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to just in a nutshell hear what, what that book is about and what you saw and then whatever other thoughts you have to share before we wrap up. Yeah, that was a beautiful experience. Uh, it was a totally new chapter for my wife and I. We, of course, knew about some of these things, but never saw it closely. And again, uh, the thing that impressed me was how God changes the world, like you said, with individuals and some of the things that happened there. And we saw both sides. We heard stories of people that renounced Christ to save their hide, then mm. repented and came back and and then, uh, of course, there's some really, really powerful testimonies, how those people just stood their ground. And why would I re- renounce Christ? And they, they knew that if they, if they would stand for the men, the women, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't, usually wouldn't kill the women. They'd take them as slaves or concubines. But the men, they knew if they get caught, they would either renounce Christ or die. And to see those men die one after the other, hear those testimonies, hear those widows weeping as they told their stories how their husbands stood and 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 my wife's there just arms around these ladies and and i'm there and i put my hand on their shoulder and i said this is jesus hand for healing for you 
Oh, it was it was wonderful. And uh, it's real, very, very real what those people face. I mean, things that not even I could almost dream of. It's a situation so different. Our people here, these robbers, even this Haimong that had a heart that was just like, seemed like so hard, but he softened. I know he softened. I, I, I know he was crying when he, when he, when we finished, but those men, those men, uh, they really believe that their, their religion, their belief is that killing the infidels is doing God a favor. And it's, uh, and the hate of the, the, what, what would you say? The power of Satan behind that whole thing is it's, it's pretty terrible. There again, you know, what, what do Christians do? Do we go over to Nigeria and start talking with the top guys and see what we can do from the top down to solution these problems? No. Go down among the people and pray with them and, and help them be prepared for a better place. Yeah, well, Brian, I want to thank you, too, for inviting me. This is kind of new for me. And um, I hope that it's been, can be a help for somebody. It's been a blessing for me. And if I have said something uh, offensive, I ask you forgive me. I, I do not know a religious English. I, I, my, all my church life is down here. So I talk uh, a little bit like I do normally. And sometimes I use terms. People say, hey, you're not supposed to say guy. You're not supposed to say that stuff. And, but I just find myself... Uh, uh, preaching like a talk, I guess. So if there's anything offensive out there, I do sure don't want to want to offend anybody. And uh, yeah, if this can be an inspiration, uh, like I said, walk with Jesus, and and then when these tough times come, you're okay. Like Job, you know, Job wasn't uh, had a lot of refining he needed, but he was so sincere. Jesus, God called him perfect, and uh, he was not at all prepared for what came his way and yet he was because he lived it so that would be my encouragement for myself and for all of us let's just walk with jesus and let's uh, obey his commands even even the toughest toughest ones like loving our enemies and then as we face these situations uh he'll be with us it'll it'll, it'll be okay and i i'll just tell you if you want to pray for me and our family here Right now, the situation is tough, and I, and I have a feeling I know God enough to know that he's going to give me some pretty tough tests for the things that I just talked about. So maybe this is as much a preparation for me as anything. So, yeah, I appreciate your prayers and so much. Sure. Well, uh, and also the climate in, in the States has changed a lot yes. in the last few years. We've seen that happening, and the sad reality is, is there is a demographic of conservative Anabaptists who are who are being swayed by Amen. the right wingers, you know, That's the right. Second Amendment, getting guns. And there's even there's even was a survey done that there's it's, it's an alarming um, conclusions that there's actually conservative Anabaptist men who have who are, are carrying um, and even into church services. Of course, more than pepper spray, huh? more than pepper spray. And that is really, that saddens my heart. And, um, and that's some of the, the vision for us as an admin team to try to engage this, 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 uh, this issue Amen. because it's so far from Christ. Amen. But all the, you know, all the Protestant conservatives are doing that for the most part. They're getting their, mm-hmm. their, their, yeah. their, their teams of men who know how to take down people in these church services. And 
even here recently, um, uh, there was a, a pastor in Texas who was shot and killed with his own gun. Uh, a guy jumped him when he came into yeah. the church building and got his gun and killed him. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, we, we, it's just unbelievable. We see Christians who, who know better and who, who've been shown That's better right. uh, are taking up arms. And so we need to hear messages like this to Amen. challenge tell us them, to the tell, tell them that they are telling, they're, they're making the angels step aside. They're putting mm-hmm. the angels out of a job. They go get a gun to take care of themselves. Now, if I, I thought of this a lot of times. There's one more thing I want to say. We have we have a situation here where a guy might walk into church someday with a gun, just like they do in the states, mm-hmm. and would uh, would start shooting. I've thought about this many times. As a pastor, I would get up. I would. I mean, I I I say that and walk up and step stand between him and and the people mm-hmm. and plead with him and pray mm-hmm. and and and. Let, if God allows him to shoot this poor servant, then let him, let him do that. Instead of something that, you know, we can do, pray. And, uh, but, uh, oh my, don't think about using violence against our enemies. Amen. Thank you again. Um, and brother Chester, could you, you can say whatever you would like and close the prayer, please. Eternal Father in heaven, we bow in your presence. We thank you for these stories. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the godly counsel that we received. And we thank you for Pablo and his uh, touch with you, his connection with you. And I ask that you would protect him and his family and the other families there moving forward, that uh, the light of truth will continue to shine brightly in that darkness. And as we think about uh, the situation in the U.S. as it's deteriorating, and some of the failures of our own people. I, I realize and confess that the freedom that we've had for the last many years has softened us and we are unprepared. And so I pray that you would use stories like this and other means to shake us out yes. of our apathy and complacency so that we can oh, have a better connection with you so we would truly live out these principles when we're faced with them. I do pray for the situation in uh, Nigeria where Mm. Islamic uh, radicals are killing your people. Father, I know that this is just the story of history for 2,000 years. It's been this way. And that what we've had here in America is an abnormality. And so Mm. I I do pray that you would advance your cause. I know that there's nothing as compelling as Galassenheit to bring people to the faith. And so I pray that you give us all a concept, of, a strong concept of Galassian height going forward so that whether we're in Nigeria or whether we're in Nicaragua, whether we're in the States or whatever, we would allow you to do the work that you expect hey. to do. And we would never be deceived by our own strength or perceived strength, but we would commit these matters to you. So our Father, I ask that you would provide for us and teach us further as only you can beyond what we could even pray. So we commit ourselves and this audience to you for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Chester. And again, Brother Pablo, thank you. And may your rewards be rich in heaven for all the sweat and toil here. Um, So just an announcement about next week. Uh, So we we meet here every uh, Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And next Saturday, Lord willing, we're looking at this topic called The Unreached People Group Next Door by Clyde Zimmerman. Clyde is with the salt. Um, is, is, uh, my little son is knocking on my window here. 
Uh, Clyde is with the salt, uh, with the salt from the group from Christian Aid Ministries. He's particularly looking at the the part of salt that's called salt and light, uh, which is a platform uh, curriculum that you can use here in the states for engaging with your neighbors, using as a platform to show Christ. So that'll be uh, next Saturday morning, Lord willing, at six a.m. God bless each one of you. Oh, and also Pablo, thank you, thank your little friend. There, I forget his name, but thank him for uh, being willing to to do that. That was really I'll special. Do it. I'll do it. Yeah. All right. God bless you all. Have a God wonderful afternoon. Too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. <laughs>